Hello and welcome. It's the pleasure of Power to Change to present Family Life Today each week, Monday through Friday at this time. We'd love you to contact this station and tell them how much you appreciate hearing Family Life Today. Well, let's get started on today's edition. So you probably remember this moment on our honeymoon. Oh, we're going back to our honeymoon 42 42 years ago. 42 years ago. There are a lot of great moments on our honeymoon, right, honey? There were. Please say there were. Yes. <laughs> this was in the hotel room in Boston where this happened. Didn't feel like a great moment for me, but as I look back, it was a defining moment. You this, just went, oh, I, I know you know what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, we were in Boston, and we're both pretty adventurous. I love to travel. I love to be on an adventure, and we got on the subway in Boston, and we both come from a little farm town in Ohio, Finley, Ohio, and so this was new for us. We get on, and here we are, we're 19 and 22 years old, and we're on the subway, and we're trying to figure out how to get back, and you started getting really frustrated because we were lost, so lost, and I'm laughing like, this is funny, we're so lost, but you kept getting more and more quiet. We finally made it back to the hotel room, and when we get back there, I remember you just sitting on this chair and you start to cry. And I don't even know what's going on. Like, what happened? What's wrong? And you said, like, you're crying. I I don't think I'd ever seen you cry like this. And you said, I don't even know what I'm doing. I can't even get us back from the subway. How am I going to lead you as a man? How am I going to be a dad? I have no idea what I'm doing. It was like this breakdown that I didn't see coming, obviously, and I felt this overwhelming weight of, I have responsibilities now as a husband, hopefully someday a dad. I don't think I can do this. I was overwhelmed with, I'm not a good enough man. You deserve a better man. And that day just highlighted all my you know, deficiencies. And I remember being scared to death of marriage and leading you mm-hmm. and In some ways, it was a defining moment because it was humbling to go, you know what? I don't have what it takes, but God can give me what it takes to be the husband and the dad my kids need. I was so attracted and drawn to you in that moment because of your vulnerability. And I remember sitting on your lap saying, but we can do it together. Like, Jesus will help us. It was was a cool moment. Hmm. But I think a lot of men maybe either get to that moment or afraid of that moment. And today we have to talk about manhood and the vision of manhood with Brant Hansen. He's back with us. Brant, welcome back. Thank you. I mean, when you hear that story, again, what are you what are you thinking? I'm thinking the fact that if you don't have a good dad that you grew up with, hmm. it is really daunting to take on some. I think it's a little more daunting. It's always daunting because you realize the scope of it. Hmm. And I think if you took a poll of guys and we were all being totally honest, that's, that's the vast majority. Do you think so? Like most men feel like that's a daunting task. It's daunting and also we don't really know what we're doing. Mm. I have some core principles now which I think are really good and they're very energizing. Like I'm saying this idea of being a keeper of the garden, Adam's child. And I see that as my role in different ways. It's very energizing, but I still don't. Relationships are are difficult and it's easier to do some other stuff. Mm. Yeah, and, and obviously you talk on the radio every day. Yeah. So you're good at that. You're really good at that, and people listen to you and want to follow you and get your autograph, I'm sure, all that kind of stuff. You write a book called The Men We Need, and it's all about manhood. Yet you come from a family where you said there was a lot of fear. So as you became a husband and then eventually a dad, did you feel some of the same fear. you know, struggles that I was dealing with? Absolutely. I still feel like 
I don't necessarily, I mean, it's called imposter syndrome, you know, for, mm. for a lot of people. I do think it's really intense for a lot of guys, most deep down going, I don't really know what I'm doing and I don't want other people to find out. I will say it's gotten better for me over time. Not because I realized, wow, I'm really competent, but instead it's like, you know, God's got me. Mm. I actually can trust him. It's such a religious throwaway statement to go, trust God, trust Jesus, trust. Like, yeah, okay, well, it matters now when you don't necessarily know what you're doing. Mm. I really do think this trust thing matters. Mm. In the daily faithfulness, in learning, like in in Psalm 23 where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, so he's leading. Mm. And then the next thing it says is, I lack nothing. Mm. I have what I need to do this today. I'll let tomorrow take care of itself. And if somebody's like, hey, you actually don't know what you're doing on it, like, yeah, you're probably right. And um, the Lord's my shepherd, and he's he's been faithful. So I tell guys that, too. It's like, I know. I know how you feel. But let's just be faithful and keep mm. showing up and keep putting effort into the right things. Uh, talk about relationships in particular in your family. Yeah. Well, Dave, go back. You just shared that story when we first got married. What have you learned in 42 years? It's really what Brent's been saying the last couple days is you just said it show up every single morning every single day and figure this out which means what Brant wrote about I got to find out what a man is I got to find out what a Christian husband is and a Christian godly dad is I got to know what that is Um, I think part of it is two weeks before that moment on our honeymoon we went to the family life weekend to remember marriage conference as an engaged couple Mm. And we now speak for that. We've been speaking for that for 30 years, but we had never been there. And on Sunday morning, we split the husbands and wives up and we talked to the men and we talked to the wives. And I remember sitting there as an you know, engaged guy getting married in two weeks, hearing what a husband from the scripture should be and what a dad from scripture should be and walking out absolutely overwhelmed. Like, I've never seen that. I've never heard that. I'll never be able to do that. Then two weeks later, I was faced with my own deficiencies in that moment, like, I won't, I can't. And I think now it's exactly where God wanted me. It's like, yeah, you can't, but I can. Yeah. If you trust it's me, you said, the Lord is my shepherd. and you yeah. allow me to empower you, I will make you the man you can't make yourself. Mm. I'll make you the husband you could never be apart from me. And so it, it, it was sort of a surrender. I got to fall on my face every moment and say, Jesus, I don't have what it takes, but you do fill me and make me the husband she deserves and the dad my kids long for. Bingo. So I walk the dog every morning. I had this golden retriever named Cozy. We walk, I walk oh. her every morning and that's my time. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray. I have found I need to pray out loud. Hmm. So me too. my neighbors probably wonder what's going on. <laughs> I'm not loud about it, but they see my mouth. I think you're talking to your talking dog. Talking to the dog, yeah. Yeah. But honestly, I don't feel up to my job every day. I have to come up with so much content for my job. Yeah. Hmm. And I talk to God about that. I need your help. And he has provided. So prayer to me is like talking to God about what we're doing together today. (laughs) I don't need to be fearful for that reason, for you are with me, even if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. I don't have anything to fear. So that's been really helpful, that admitting I'm not necessarily up to the task. I'll talk to God about that. And it's been wild to see how he has been up to the task for me. It's Ephesians 3.20. He does beyond what we can imagine or even dream. I mean, our president here, David Robbins, always says, this is one of his quotes I'll never forget, if dependency is the goal, then weakness is an advantage. 
It totally is. And we always like, I don't want to be weak. I, I want to be strong. It's like, no, no, weakness isn't bad. It's an advantage if depending on Christ is the goal, that's going to get you there. Well, then his strength comes out in your life mm. because you made space for it. Mm. And spoiler, his strength is better than ours. Yes. Like he can do stuff that you would, I would not have planned like the stuff that's happened in my life at all. Yeah. And I still don't have a big blueprint. I have no idea. I'm trying to do the next thing. But this said, one of the things I, I point out in the book is about guys, like one of the decisions you have to make to become the man that we need is take responsibility for your own spiritual life. Mm. A lot of times that can be a guilt thing for guys. You can be like, come on, step up, do this. Do. Like I'm trying to tell them in American culture, feelings are everything. I mean, we see that in the mainstream culture, your feelings can outdo reality. Like it matters more than anything. Mm. I think the same thing happens with our concept of what it means to be a spiritual person. And it can leave a lot of guys feeling guilty or like they've blown it. Because we think it, many times we conflate it with an emotional response. So if I don't get goosebumps mm -hmm. during that worship chorus, if I didn't feel God's presence in this place when everybody else did, like I just don't quite get it. There's tons of guys like that. Tons. They're in a worship service. They're kind of there, but it's other people that are having this emotional experience. They're not. They might be okay with it. But deep down they might think, maybe it's my sinfulness. God's left me. I'm not a spiritual. I'm not a spiritual. If you equate feeling emotional with God's presence, your own emotional state may change over time. Yeah. And then you think God's, what happened? Where's God? What have I done? What has he done? Maybe he doesn't even exist. Why don't like, I, maybe that was bunk. Maybe I think like it was all because you, you equated spirituality with emotion. And what I'm trying to tell guys is it doesn't make you less spiritual. Mm. That's not what emotion is. Emotion, as we know, can be influenced by, did I get a nap today? Mm. Did the Lions win yesterday? <laughs> no, they didn't. So, like, what? Just, hey. But, <laughs> but it's like there's all sorts of factors that go into that. That's not God's presence or non-presence. Mm. And if you're somebody like me who's more analytical and you don't feel stuff like that, doesn't mean God has left the building. So how does a man take control of his spiritual life? Loyalty. Mm. That's what, what God is looking for. He's looking for loyalty from us. Believing loyalty. Hmm. So there's like a Hebrew word, hesed, in the Bible like that describes it. Most of the time it's describing his loyalty to us, but it's often the other way around too. But it's just believing loyalty. I can keep showing up. Hmm. I know I'm a sinner. I get caught up in things. Like I think things. I have wrong tracks of thought. Like just like anybody else. But I do keep showing up, and I'm honest with God about it. And what I see from the biblical stories is that's what God's looking for. Mm -hmm. You don't ignore him. You keep going back. You keep talking. You keep, and it's not a matter whether I feel it that morning or not. Okay, so loyalty, most guys can get. We get it. I mean, we, Boy Scouts, you know, or the military, or anything you train for. If you're on a basketball team, you got 6 a.m. practice. Like, you keep showing up. Mm. You don't feel like it, but I can do that. And once I realized that, I was like, I don't have to beat myself up anymore for not being emotional or at the same time everybody else is. And I know there's so many guys, if, if they're not told, like, look, the emotions come and go. If they come, awesome. That's wonderful. But if they go, maybe that's a season of life, too. I know for a lot of men and women, you go through seasons where you're not as emotional about your relationship with God. Well, just keep being loyal. Mm -hmm. That's how relationships work, too, right? Even in marriage, it's not every day at the peak emotional in loveness. But when I was writing this book, 
my wife and I had not gotten along that day. There was just some underlying tension. I can't remember what it was about. And she's like, hey, do you want some tea? Like, yeah. I was writing the book on the computer. She brings me over some hot tea. I was like, that's love. <laughs> she's, I know she's not feeling it for me today at all. And she still shows up. Yeah. Now we're talking love. It's not the emotional thing that she gets out of it because there is none right now. So if you can serve God out of loyalty, I think he's really honored by that because the only reason you do that is out of love. Hmm. So by loyalty, when you say just show up, are you saying just talk to him yes. every day? Tell him what's on your heart. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. I, that's exactly what I'm talking about because it's out of that relationship that the fruit will be born in your life. You can't manufacture hmm. the peace and gentleness that you're going to need to have and the patience and the joy, which is it's a sense of well-being no matter what's happening around you. Mm. That's what joy is. Like, you're not going to be able to manufacture that. It's going to come out of this ongoing conversational partnership relationship with God. So I'm not going to give up on that mm. because of my own sin. I'm going to slink away in shame. I'm going to show up again. Mm. And Good. my understanding of the, the stories in the Bible, that God's actually honored by that. Mm. Mm. Maybe even especially when you don't feel it. Totally. That's, I need to. And I don't want to, and everything in me says, don't do it. I'm going to get there. It's the same thing. I'm going to open the Word of God. How about this? Do you think it's important for men to be with other men? Oh, absolutely. I, I know it is. Yeah. Well, just community in general. Even if you're listening to this now and you're a guy, you're probably like, yeah, I get this. Yeah. I want to surround myself with a few people that have some wisdom, though. Mm-hmm. So I do want some guys that are making me think differently, yeah. stretching me challenging. Yeah, I remember uh, when I first moved to Detroit to be the amazing Detroit Lions chaplain (laughs) 30-some years ago. Everybody laughs because who knew then what it would end up being a lot of losses. But um, I knew then as a new man in a new city, I need to find guys. Find a church, obviously, and we hadn't started one yet. So I'll never forget, I went to this men's group that some guys recommended, and I was there three or four weeks. And I remember, I'll never forget this moment, I walk in one day and I go, hey, um, and I didn't know these guys real well, but I knew them well enough to be vulnerable. And I said, hey, I just, I need to share a struggle I had this week. I went through the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue and I shouldn't have done it. And I'm just confessing that to you guys. I'll never forget. They look at me and they go, dude, you are like sick. What is wrong with you? You are despicable. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I said that. I just... And basically, they went around the room, and I was like, I said, none of you have ever? Nope, never, not one time. Do you ever struggle ever? Never. Are they joking? They're joking. Well, I mean, that's what they were. It was like I was the worst guy they've ever met in their life. I remember getting in the car, driving home, and going, okay, those aren't my guys. What in the world? I mean, that's what their response was. was 35 years ago. It was a long time ago. I feel like it's a Nathaniel Hawthorne novel or something. (laughs) Like, what? What? Who are these people? Are they real? 1636 Massachusetts? Yeah, like, I mean, all about? I know is I get in the car and I'm like, I got to find different guys. Not that they were bad guys. It was just like, I can't be honest with these guys. Because I can't I, be honest I got in the you. car thinking, okay, they're lying to me. Not every guy there probably did, but some guys struggle with, you know. So anyway, all I knew was, okay, I got to find guys that will bring wisdom to my life. But I can be honest and they will not let me stay where my sin has taken me. They'll challenge me and we'll challenge one another. Guess what? I found those guys mm-hmm. and we've been with That's those cool. guys for over 30 years. 
But the the moral of the story was if one group doesn't work, keep trying because there's men you need in your life. And you already you said it. You need men that are wise, men that will spur you on, right. men that will walk with you, men that will be vulnerable. So if you can't find them, I have some advice. What's mm-hmm. that? Just ask God about it. Yeah. This is prayer. What do you want? Hmm. I mean, Jesus actually asked Bartimaeus in Scripture, the blind guy, and he actually says to him, what would you like me to do for you today? Well, if you want, if like I don't have any wise friends, I need some guys around that yeah. are honest so they can go yeah me too let's work through this together like i need honest i need some guys that are continuing to like read things and think things and trying to grow as believers and and if you don't have any of those ask god for them i think he'll say yeah yeah it may take a little bit of time but i honestly think if your heart cry is that gut level honest while you're driving or something this is what i need mm. and i think that's something he he wants too i think he's i know he's got the power to do it so I think it's discouraging when you feel like you can't find it because our culture is so isolated and lonely. Yeah. But if you ask God for it, I've seen him be faithful in my own life in that exact way. Yeah. Then be intentional to say, hey, let's get together. You have to be. And that's that's tough to do. Yeah. If you're like me, I'm not good at scheduling things or whatever I want. But you have to. I did a thing recently where I was like, okay, this was new for me, but we're going to get together on Monday night from 7 to 8 on my back patio for a month. But it was closed-ended, and it was only mm. for one hour. We're not going on all night. We're not letting anybody filibuster, and you're stuck there. And it's not going on for years. Mm. Just a month. It was a huge hit in my neighborhood. Yeah. It was just guys, and we were just talking about discipleship stuff. But, like, we're done at 8. I'm like, it's 8. We're done. And then everybody wanted to stick around anyway because mm. it was fun, and we were having a lot of laughs. But, like, we did our thing, and it was for one month, and then we quit. And then I started it up again for a month. Very cool because I think guys like the closed-endedness of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's an idea, too, if you're interested in starting something like that. Don't ask them to commit the rest of their lives yeah. or have to foresee awkward backing out if you have an, uh, an end date that's pretty soon. Mm. We've talked about several decisions you say a man needs to make to set him apart. One of them is protect your women. I, I mean, you say it, make women and children feel safe, not threatened. And again, it's not out of an ownership thing. Mm. It's out of me wanting them to thrive and bloom. If guys were keepers of the garden, there would be no need for a Me Too movement or anything of the sort because we, they would feel secure because we're there, not threatened. But a big problem, even for Christian guys, because they're not taught out of it, is anger. Hmm. There's this anger that we have justified in our own minds or whatever, and we think, well, I'm a man of action. I'll do whatever it needs done. But that anger actually makes your household less secure yeah, because of anger. Yeah, it pulls us away. Because it, we're afraid of it. You're not sure what's like, what's yeah. gonna, what is he going to do? Right. How is he going to react? That's not what you want. You don't want your wife and kids tiptoeing, afraid. And you may not even be aware of it. Mm. But you'll justify this anger or this frustration. That actually makes them feel insecure. So now your house is insecure. I also know that a lot of for a lot of men, they think that that's part of masculinity. Right, like right. if I'm going to be a man of action, I have to get angry. Or loud. Right. Like, no, that's actually not masculine. Mm. What's masculine is being willing to take action when necessary, but not out of anger. You do it because it's the right thing. Mm. So your wife and kids know you're not an angry person, but when needed, you will do the right thing Mm. and you'll do it the right way. Anger actually clouds your judgment. So if you want to have a secure home, you're not angry, Mm. but you'll do the right thing. And if somebody's in trouble, they behave this way. This is what's going to happen. It's actually scarier to the kids when you're that calm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, in, in a good way. Yeah, in a good way. But it's like, 
that just sets the tone for the home that it's mm-hmm. secure. There are these boundaries, but dad's not an angry person. You don't need anger to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. The anger that's been constructive in my life has been when I'm, and it's not really anger. It's a re- resolution to say, I'm not going to be passive anymore. Yeah. It, it, that's it good. feels like a sense of an anger, but it's like I'm mad at myself. Like, okay, I'm going to. I'm going to show up. We've said it before. I'm going to show up in her life, in my son's lives, in my church's life, whatever. I'm going to show up. That's an, it's a motivational sort of, uh, you know, I guess you'd call it anger, but it's like, no more. Yeah, I think that's a motivation that's, that's good. That's, that's determination. But anger is always listed in the negatives in scripture. It's put away anger or get rid of it before the sun goes down. Mm. So if it happens, get rid of it. But just imagine a home where anger is a normal thing. Mm. How can that possibly be secure? How can your kids be growing up in security or your wife feel secure? And I'm telling guys too, again, your wife is attracted to you when she feels secure mm-hmm. because she knows this when you're at your best. You're creating a greenhouse in your home is yeah. what you're saying, where the people in it will grow and blossom. And thrive, yeah. and become, including your wife. Yes. That she could become everything with her intellectual gifts and everything that she could be. Mm. People just bloom around you because yeah. that's how you cultivate your keep. It's the greenhouse thing because it's you're the keeper of the garden. Yeah. Like it's a great metaphor for mm-hmm. our own metaphorical gardens. Like whatever my sphere of influence is, I'm the keeper of that garden. Here would be a scary but really good question to ask as a husband or a dad. Ask your wife and even your kids, do you thrive under me? Hmm. Do you feel like you're thriving under my care and love care and influence and leadership in this home Mm. and Mm. be ready to hear that answer and make adjustments hopefully they say yeah but if they don't say okay why not how how am i not helping you thrive because i'm called to be a caretaker to to bring life to this home and if i'm not doing that i need to make changes to make sure that happens to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you have more questions on how to develop healthy marriages, how to be a better parent, how to make romance and sex work well, or how to grow spiritually. Check out some articles that will help challenge you to move forward well at our website. Go to families.powertochange.org.au for more information. You're invited back tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today presented by Power to Change in conjunction with this radio station.